Not had enough of me yet? Well, good news. You can now listen to William Hill's Upfront with Simon Jordan podcast right here. The series, hosted by me, gives you a front row seat to big name interviews discussing their career successes and failures. Sit back and enjoy. No one can train you or get you prepared for having 15,000 people booing you while you're throwing for a large amount of money, a big yep. title. This is no, no exaggeration. I knocked the back wall off of my house. So yeah, I got in the car with my dad and I went there and I just said, this is a load of load of crap, innit? I said, what do you think? And he went, I just want my son back. And that was, yeah, that was... Um, the beginning of a journey. Yeah, pretty much, mm -hmm. pretty much, yeah. If you want to be a mechanic, why don't you just go, why don't you stop piss-balling around and go Honestly, back to being you one? Honestly, you want the real truth because... Because I, of the money. Because of the money, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the real truth. This is Upfront with me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views who think they can stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way, and more importantly, so might you. Joining me today is one of the more iconic names in the modern darts era, a man that some see as one of the greatest darts players who have never won a world championship, whilst others consider him to be one of the best left-handed darts players of all time, James Wade. James, I was a great lover of darts. I grew up watching darts um, in the Eric Bristow Jockey yeah. Wilson era, and obviously the the advent of, I suppose the first superstar in darts was probably Eric Bristow, yeah. and at the time John Lowe and Leighton Reese and Cliff Lazarenko and all those sort of guys, they were my heroes when I grew up watching darts. I used to watch it on a Saturday afternoon, and I'd go up to my bedroom and play Five Hundred One or All Around the World. From that, it developed a sort of relationship with darts that I've spent a lot of time watching over the years. But the first question or the first subject matter I thought we could talk about is. Starts natural ability versus learned skills. Predominantly natural, natural ability. I don't think, don't think you can get above a certain level unless you have a natural gift. What is that natural gift? Don't know. I believe a natural ability is something that you put very little into and get a lot out of. Um, and does that sport, get you to a certain point, like most yes, sports? Yes, yeah. it does, and then then you need to tweak it. But I mean, I know people that have, I know I know close friends that throw more darts than I do, and they'll never beat me. Right. Um, I know professionals that have put in so many, so many hours every day, consistently for years upon years, and they'll never be as good as I, I can be, or I have been, or I am. Um, I also know other players that have put very little in, and are magic. I just, I just don't think, I don't think you can become one of the best or the best at anything unless you're given some kind of natural, natural talent or gift. Because the question I would ask and the, the, the pushback I, I would have on that if I had a pushback and debated your sort of orthodoxy, because obviously talent has to be part of it. You can't not have talent, can you? Because no. if you've got no talent, you, then you, you're, you're completely out of the window anyway. But in tennis, they talk about this idea that if you hit 10,000 balls a day or whatever it is, you're going to get to a certain level. You're kind of, I was going to say that might be similar in darts, but you're sort of debunking that. I'm not saying it's because darts, you play a lot of different games, a lot of different matches all around the world. And they, they, some might beat me here and I might beat them there. But those there's certain players that, that will never lift a trophy. There's certain players that, that choke at the wrong times on big matches. What does choking look like? Just missing easy shots, like you miss, you, like you have three well, out shots. Yeah, you miss. Yeah. You have three darts at double yeah. tops, and you can. There's, there's a difference between missing and there's a difference between choking. Yeah, and you you can see the difference. And the people that have got natural talent, they don't 
they don't tend to miss those shots. You know that they win the titles. They don't. You know I can talk about players that that have had lots of shots to win lots of titles, and and they haven't done it. Um, so is it? And you get other players that get their get their first opportunity and they poke it. And, and when you say natural, are you talking about the training of one's mind? Because physically throwing a dart doesn't. I mean, there isn't a physical strength required to do it. Besides the basic premise of being able to hold it in your hand. Yeah. Right. So are we talking about the training of of one's mind? That's the difference in the skill set. As a whole, I was talking about like that's that's, that's mental. That's that's the ability to be able to f consistently throw close grouping darts. Yeah. But wouldn't that be again? I'm not arguing with you. I'm just no. trying to understand it because having sat in my bedroom from a 13-year-old kid and working out my average and getting to 23 average and thinking, that's great, 70, 69, 70, and you guys, are, it's not bad, is it? <laughs> I can't yeah. fin finish. Yeah. Um, because then I did bottle it. Yeah. That, that's the psychological bit, <laughs> yeah. bit part of it. And that's the part I was trying to relate to. It's like watching a tennis player standing on a baseline at an important point, and Djokovic will serve a hard serve down the middle and win the point when it's on match point or when he's, when he's always facing match yeah. point. And a champion darts player will be able to throw a dart and check out at a time when the pressure is zeroed on. So I wondered again, you're saying, no, no, it's an overall thing. It's a combination of everything, but it feels to me like the psychological strength to stand up there as an individual and to be the sole person responsible for an outcome. You're not part of a team. You're on your own. You're throwing that dart. It's nothing stopping you from hitting that double top or that out shot besides your mental strength. Am, am I completely on a different, no, no, I'm no, on no, the wrong no, path? I get there's certain players that that just perform better under pressure and they produce under pressure. I mean, how how would you do it when you've got 15,000 people behind you, mm. booing, mm. jeering you, saying certain things you don't like, and you've got a player that's against you and you're playing for 100, 200, 500,000 pounds, and how would you perform and produce yeah. that dart and that finish at that right time? Blank all that background noise out. Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, that's a... I think that's part of the natural ability to be able to, to control be able to do that. that because you yeah. can go to sports psychologists. You could, no one can train you or get you prepared for having 15,000 people booing you while you're throwing for a large amount of money, a big yeah. title, you know, obviously the cameras as well. Every, every person that plays a sport, I believe they know that there's people watching, mm -hmm. you know, they focus on that. There is huge viewers. So that's another added pressure to it. But all. after you've done it once, it becomes something you're much more acclimatised to, isn't it? Every time you do something, think, even if you, even if it's boxing, you get punched in the face once, uh, you know, every now and again, you become anaesthetised <laughs> by it, don't you? <laughs> or unaware for, of it. For me, the first title I won was, was probably, I didn't expect to win. And right. then the next title I won was, oh, can I win another one? Was the first one luck? Was that just, just a, you know, the right draw and the right players and, mm -hmm. and the right week for me? And the second one was a far harder tournament for me to win than the first one. You know, and really? then, you, then you go, yeah, and then because they always say it's the first one, don't they? And anything you do in life, when you the first time of doing it is the most difficult, and thereon afterwards you've broken that sort of seal. Might be for me because I didn't believe there was an expectance an of me to win, of you. Yeah. An expectation yeah. of me winning that first week that I, you know, in Blackpool, um, the World Match Play. But after that, I thought. Oh, shit, everyone wants me to, everyone's expecting me yeah. to do something. You know, the bookmakers, I've gone from 150, 250 to one down to, you know, three to one. And it's, everything changed and my mindset so, made me panic. So then is it the expectation rather than the background noise? Because if, you, if you've got the background noise there as a matter of, but I suppose the expectation then comes in, in cahoots with the fans because the fans are then more aware of you and then they're after you in yeah. whichever way they want to be, whether they're for you or against you. Yeah, and with my mindset, I exaggerate everything to, I, I amplify everything mm. to myself. So that's probably... We'll get into that a little bit later. Probably the wrong about person. some of the things that you that you have in, <laughs> yeah. in your life. 
you first started playing darts at age seven. What was the inspiration? What were your inspirations when you chose to do that? And does anyone, I suppose, I mean, without being disrespectful, it doesn't feel like a particularly aspirational sport. And I want to talk to you about whether yeah. it's a sport later on. But does anyone want to be a dart player? And and what were your inspirations? There's two questions there. Family members played darts when I was at a young age. I remember them going out and stuff, you know. And then I remember one particular time we had a dartboard in the kitchen. I grew up in the same house, living with my nan and granddad and my mum and dad. Just playing on the dartboard. I don't even know why I was throwing darts. Probably bored or I've been told off or something. Um, and I just remember catching darts, catching catching my eye. And then I, I remember watching the player at the time. It was, I think it was Paul Williams, which was a player from a long, long time ago. And I noticed- Chinese-American player. No, that's um, Paul Lim. Paul Lim. Paul Williams was a guy from Yorkshire. Tried to show off there. Yeah. It's quite, Sadly quite failed. Yeah. By quite a few thousand miles. Um, but- <laughs> All right. Okay. But no, it was- um, That's how we're going to so, roll, are we? <laughs> please don't. I've seen your interviews. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I remember just seeing him, him hitting these doubles. And it was, to me, it was, it was- not magic. It was. It just made my mind wonder, and I and I was going for the doubles, and I thought, oh, well, why can't I hit them with three darts? But literally in no time at all, I was hitting doubles and scores. Not nothing magic, but I was I was hitting in the right areas within a couple of weeks. And because of how I am, I obsessed with certain things, right? And um, I become hyper focused with it and obsessed, and yeah, I know that's that, that's what it is now. And I just progressed, and I was up the pub. At 10 or 11 with my dad, which is what we normally do in older shot. Um, <laughs> and there was a player short and I got my chance to play. And right. on the first game I ever played, I'd check out 109, you know? Oh, not bad. So okay. it's yeah. really, Fair enough. like, really There's the natural a random stuff, yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And you don't finish 109, 20, treble, 19, double 16. Mm. You don't do something like that if it's not natural because yeah. you can't, you can't do that. You can't, I don't think you can. Because you talked about, you've spoken about being, felt like a bit of an outsider. Mm. Um, and you talked about that helped you being accepted yeah. by, by family and friends? I would or say. Or just by, by people around you because you were oh, in just, a pub just, playing just, darts? Just people around me. And, and like I didn't need school. I didn't need friends at school because my that's, that, that's a bit awkward. But when I was 13, 14, 15, most of my friends were, or people that put up with me, were, were like <laughs> 40, 50-year-old men in a pub. Right. You know, and I'd go there, I'd play the games, you know, and... That, that I, I spoke to those people at school. I didn't have to fit in anymore. I didn't try and didn't need to try and fit in because I didn't need them. You know, I had my close friends, but probably two or three friends at school. But apart from that, I didn't need anyone else because I didn't have to try. You know, I was a 13, 14, snotty nosed kid that could just go up there and I wasn't judged or, or um, made to feel awkward about myself. You talked about, uh, uh, you know, playing in a pub and a lot of accusations are made about this do you consider it a sport yeah i do yeah, yeah i do too yeah. uh, a lot of people it's think it's not i think conventional wisdom sort of or not conventional wisdom some of the orthodoxy out there is it's not a sport and you wouldn't see it featuring in olympics but you're in the camp it's a sport yeah, it is i mean it's, it's competitive it takes dedication it takes your life you, you know you, you pay you pay massive prices to play, play the game um and it's competitive such as what uh, family life. In what way? You don't get. To, there's no time at home with darts. You know, you're away because you're travelling around you're all the time. If you're in the Premier League, you're away probably 200 to 250 days a week. Uh, a year, sorry. Right. You know, and that's 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 a that's a sacrifice and that's a commitment to the game. To see people you play against 
in a competitive sport more than your family, that's that's a sacrifice in my in my books. Back in the day, when I loved darts and watched it on television, when it was part of BBC One's stable yep. diet, and a yep. lot of things have gone from BBC One yeah, yeah, now, yeah. haven't they? And you'd see them on a Saturday afternoons when the World Championships was on. You'd see John Lowe, and you'd see Jockey Wilson, and you'd see Eric Bristow, and you'd see all these names that are part of the past. And I was very fortunate enough once upon a time to play an exhibition game against Eric, and he yep. was a real character. I don't know if you ever met him, but he was a real character. Yeah, he was a friend of mine. But, um, and, you know, God rest his soul. Mm. Um, but at that time, it was smoking and drinking yep. and everybody was overweight yeah and it's now changed and it's now become something far more i don't I wouldn't say sanitized but far more professional in its outlook and obviously you've got two disciplines now you've got the pdc and the bdo haven't you yeah when back back in the day it was just one i suppose one of the questions that i would have or one of the things i'm interested in understanding is you've talked about the dedication of having to go around the country and playing tournaments, but that's in the pursuit of a career and the financial benefits that go with it, and you that's a choice, right? But becoming an elite player, how how quickly can you master this sport? And what kind of stamina is required to be an elite player? Because there's top players and there's an elite player. I think it's Do you think you're an elite player, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think I think I'm on a path at the moment where I've got to choose whether I continue to chase the top top side of darts or I ease up and just slowly slowly go down but I've we're only 39 aren't you? yeah yeah but I've you know I've had some bad health issues back end of last year um and it made me realize there's more to life than than work yeah and playing darts and there's a lot more to it than that you know when you're laying in a hospital bed in Germany and you think you've had something wrong with you and they say you need to ring your ring your closest yeah. person because you've got six hours things could go concentration minds are prioritized yeah, yeah it does i've got young yeah. children now as well yeah yeah I'm so in that space. you know six i think six years you you decide if you you can see if a player is going to be something special or not so we've alluded to this a couple of times but you've been diagnosed with bipolar so what was the process and the journey to get to that point being diagnosed i, I was i was diagnosed eventually with, with bipolar and adhd at 27 yeah, it's about that. 2011, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, it's before then. Was it? Yeah, because I went in. I've been in a priory twice of it. Right. So the first time, I, I always knew it was something a little bit strange with me, as if, from ever since I, I can remember memories of like what I spoke about earlier, fitting in school and not fitting in, and fitting in with people and not fitting in. Um, I didn't fit in with with many things, but when it all comes ahead, was I think it was 2009. I got a scaffolding company to put scaffolding around my house and I knocked and this is no no exaggeration I knocked the back wall off of my house like put props up um and I literally knocked the back back of my house off um I started taking the roof off and this happened in a real short space of time and my manager at the time he said what, what, what the fuck are you doing I went oh, I'm having an extension he goes James, you can't have an extension. I said, why is that? He goes, you've got no planning permission. You've spent most of your money. What are you going to do it with? And I went, I'm just going to do it. And that was at the point where I was just, I'd just gone off. I wasn't even in this world world or world, worldly, th I wasn't I wasn't thinking. Wasn't thinking and who like, took you to where you needed to go to be able to be properly evaluated? Um, my dad, which is my dad never, I mean, my dad aren't like that. So I wouldn't didn't want to go to, the, to anywhere. And then I, after people talking to me for for a long time well, probably two or three hours they managed to convince me that if i'm not going to go to there will you go to the priory and i didn't know what it was and i said okay i'll go and then 
just as I was about to go, I said, no, I'm not going. And then my dad just said to me, can I take you? Yeah. And I was like, um, I tried, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was, um, so yeah, I got in the car with my dad and I went there and I just said, this is a load of, load of crap, isn't it? Along those lines. And he went, I said, what do you think? And he went, I just want my son back. And that was, yeah, that was, um, the beginning of a journey. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, yeah, that was when, but then when I got there, it was like a relief because then I knew there was something that wasn't quite mm. right. And I knew there was an answer to it. It wasn't me just being awkward or, which I am very awkward, ask anyone that knows me. It wasn't just that. It was, there was a reason for me being like I was. And as soon as that was discovered, it was like a massive weight off my shoulders. There's nothing wrong with being awkward. I'm a fully paid up man no. with the awkward squad myself. Yeah. yeah. So no problems there. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was, that was how it, how it all come to light. And it was probably the best thing I ever did. Probably the best thing I ever did. Because by now I would have ruined every Because you know where you're going and you know why had. you're going that way. Yeah. And I know yeah. why I'm doing it. And I, I, I People can help me. People can help me now and I can help myself. Which That's yeah. the biggest thing, helping yourself. Absolutely. Rather, rather than just burying your head in the sand and just carry on being as you are, you can kind of catch light and you think, I'm in a dark place. And when you catch that bit of light, you think, that, that's why I'm doing this. I don't know what to do mm. rather than going right down the Coping mechanism. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you love the sport? Are you in love with it? I'm not as in love as it as I once was. That why? Is for sure. Everything's changed. You in know. what way? Uh, the players have changed. The organisation's changed. The game's changed. Um, some ways for, for the you've better. Got ex you've got to expand Yeah, yeah, that. of course. Yeah. Go, um, tell me. I think some of the players like seem to have this I should be here attitude as well. And that, that was... A sense never, of entitlement. It's, yeah, I guess a sense of entitlement but isn't that, some of them. Isn't that, doesn't that come with sport full stop? Look at footballers. I mean, you must... I mean, I know you're not a there's football fan. There's always been footballers and there's always been dark players. Sure. But you're you're almost drawing a parallel between an attitude yeah. in in young athletes now that are getting a lot of rewards and a lot of recognition. And I want to talk to you in a second about the recognition in darts because people are describing you guys as potential rock stars. Mm. I'm not sure I concur with that, but we can kick that you around should. in a second. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll have that catch out in a minute. But what I mean this this sense of entitlement expand upon that. I, I get that's my word. You're um, talking about their attitudes. I just I just think we're all a little bit more humble a few years ago. Um a little bit more well, don't, uh, sound, like that, don't that, sound like it but some of the things perhaps, you've got up to. Perhaps that's why why the game's moved on. Well it is why the game's moved on. And it's hard for someone like myself to change change my outlook as much as it has changed and to change the way I perceive the game and the way I perceive players and, and the way way things are Do you think political it? correctness has come into the game is yes that and that's you, I think that that just does my head in with yeah. everything that just yeah but we won't talk about that bit but yeah <laughs> no it, you know you have to you have to, you have to be polite not have to be yeah you do you have to be polite well, we have to be polite you have James, to be no 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 you have to be polite at all times even if it's when you when you shouldn't have to have to be you know if someone's upset you're offended you should be able to say I'm not happy with this. Does that, but if you say it at the wrong that, time in front of the wrong people, that you get ridicule for it. Is that would that be an explanation for the, some of the observations made about you and some of your behaviour? Yes, probably. That, that would be you shaking your fist in the fat in the, in, the, yeah. in, the, in and, and sort of crowding a player would be an explanation of political correctness. Or would you say, "Hold on a second, mate, that's a bit over the top"? Because I know people like Wayne Mardell have accused you of bullying, and your disposition is a little yeah. bit too much on the stage. Is this this little soliloquy here, is that your version of political correctness or are you taking liberties with the truth there? 
No, I, I, I've had a real wobble. I know what situation you're on about. And I was, that was explained by my psychiatrist. What happened to me there? Psycho Asada, isn't it? Yes, that's his name. Yes. Um, my wife knew that I was going to do something because I was a real funny move for two or three days building up before I left. She knew something was going to happen. And it just unfortunately come across like I was, some people said it was like I was trying to hurt him or be violent to him or I had the wrong intentions in my mind. Basically, my brain just spiraled out of control and I, I just come out of a load of gobbledygook that didn't even make sense. What was said by Wayne was very, it offended me massively. Um, and it upset me, you know, to question that if it was me using my but it problems wasn't, but it as wasn't, an excuse. But it wasn't just him. I mean, that's probably an unfair comparison, isn't it, if he did that. Mm -hmm. But the allegation of bullying um, and then being some pulled up in front of the Darts Association is that they are things that you would need to contend with. And, yeah. and, and I'm not sure that I would agree with you. I'm Listen, I am the last person that's part of the establishment. No, no, it's fine. I'm the first person to want to kick ass and take numbers and not allow people to take liberties with me. Mm. But I'm, I'm trying to evaluate your resistance to your falling out of love with the sport of darts. And, and one of the things that we took away from that was, you know, I, I put it in your, work, in your mouth, but you said PC. I said PC and you said, yeah, I agree. But... I, this are, this can't be PC, can it? You you get yourself into an altercation with another player, one way or other, can't be a, a, an indication of darts well, world not being being the right space because it's I'll explain threat. what really happened that night. So what happened that night? I was very in and out of a, and I'm not using it as an excuse. I don't have to use an excuse. I got punished for it. I was yeah. held accountable. Basically, I had to pay a fine for my, for my behaviour. So I can't get in any more trouble or any less trouble if I talk about it now. But I jumped around. Shouted in his, it wasn't even at his face, but it was just unfortunate. It was unfortunate he was stood where he was and I was, I did what I did. I was unlucky there. And then I was backed up by Laura Wood. She said, well, hang on a minute, let's just see. Woodsy. Yeah, she, she said, let's just see what James has to say. And then I come out with something that didn't even make sense. And it was just not me. It was me because I was there, but it, it wasn't something, I, I wouldn't say that if I wanted to be horrible to someone anyway. It was out of character. Yeah, it was, was completely out of character. People have been asked not to put a camera under my face by by trained professionals yeah. because I need to calm down after I've been in a game. That that's also another thing. Yeah, I want to talk that to wasn't helped. That wasn't helpful for me when they put a camera yeah. straight in my face. But that happened, and then everyone just jumped on this bandwagon. Some people that I was being, uh, I was called a racist. I was called a bully. I was called a thug. Mm. I, I had all, all these things, and then I actually got like because it was going to going to be like a fine and i was being judged as i was just a guy that had just gone up there and just just been nasty. Pain, and yeah. that wasn't that wasn't what it was i wasn't very well and you do go through stages where you're not not quite right and i wasn't quite right and no one took into account of that i wasn't very well everyone just i just got treated as normal without any issues and i wasn't helped i wasn't backed all i was done was made to stand in front of a board yeah told i and was this i was yeah. that yeah. And I just had the full consequence, even though everyone had professional opinions by trained people that it was a, I think they called it a, a manic phase. Well, um, I was going to talk to you about this. And it was just unfair. I, I was just, I was, I wasn't supported. You were given anyone. a mitigating circumstances yeah. and ultimately given a lot of protection. And you've opened I was a, given number 10 protection. You've opened the door. So I was going to talk about this anyway. We'll talk about mental health because it's something that's very prevalent in society now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think it's used as an excuse for situations. Sometimes I think the mental health card is played when someone's put 100%, under pressure. 100%. Right? And I wanted to talk to you 
about the difference between that situation. I have difficulties in my life. You know, I have um, ADHD at times, or not at times, I have it as a matter of course. And I, I think it's a superpower, quite frankly. At times. At times. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and I've had panic attacks. Yeah. But we're in the same space about talking about the mental health card being played. But in your situation, you, you were diagnosed with bipolar. And ADHD. And, and ADHD as yeah. well. Um, and so bipolarity, talk to me a little bit about that, how it affects you and how it affects your ability to compete. Because from my understanding, having had a, I had a very high profile girlfriend that suffered from bipolarity and I saw the swings and I saw the lows and I saw the highs and I saw the management of both. Mm -hmm. right? You being a professional sports person, having mm -hmm. to deal with that, that's got to be some kind of challenge. Talk, talk to me about it, how it plays out in your world of being a professional dance player and being at the very top of the tree. I will explain how it hinders me and how it helps me. Yeah. Obviously, ADHD gives you super, I get like intense. Super focus. Super, yeah. yeah. I, I basically, I get intense focus and I can, I can obsess with things for four or five days and I will know more about it than most people, but then I drop it. Um, and then the bipolar can put me in the best moods ever. I can spend money that I shouldn't spend. I can make decisions that I shouldn't make. Or I can be contemplating suicide and i've tried it quite a few times um not very good at it because obviously i'm still here good um, you have to make a joke of it don't you? yeah <laughs> but no and all those joined joined up sometimes they really compliment themselves if i'm like in a hyper mood and i'm super focused my darts is i i still know to this day when i'm in the right space there's there's i'm hard very very hard to beat and i yep. can win anything um but when they're both bad I'm feeling down about things and I've got the crowd against me and my, my ADHD is making me jittery because I'm going flitting from thing to thing, then that's that's, you're that's, going, you go in, you, that's you, no good to me whatsoever. You've said obviously. yourself you go into competitions or tournaments knowing mm. as a result of this that you have no chance of winning. Yeah. So I'm assuming the flip side of that applies, then, doesn't it? Yeah, and when I, I know when I'm, I know I've, yeah. I've, you know, I well, I've won more than most, but when I know I've known when I'm going to win stuff. I know, I know when it's going to happen because I just feel all right, you know. I just feel good and I feel happy. But I also walk into matches thinking, Jesus, I just want to go home. I don't want to be here. I can't stand anyone. I just want to go home and shut my door and hide away. And and that's that's awful. And there's nothing worse than when you lose to a player. And, and there's no way for you to overcome in the middle. Of, and there's no, no way for you to deal with I've that. There's no way for you to be able to control I've yourself tried. in that game. To be able to even to a lesser opponent, as someone that shouldn't really actually be carrying your darts. Not not when you're up there and it's all against you. Yeah. It's just you just become like, I I just have this spiral in my head that just 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 gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then I implode. Because you come onto this music, don't you? You come onto Dizzy Rascal Bonkers. I used right? to, yeah. I did that to make and, fun and, of myself and before and anyone else. People could. don't like it, do they? They push back on it. Yeah. What was when you got that sort of, um, I think, moral judgment from people mm. who don't perhaps understand the reasons behind I, it? What was your sort of feeling about that? Because you, you, obviously you, you've just said you do it because you wanted to send yourself up. First of all, I, I remember I played a game. I think it was against, might have been against Phil Taylor or something. And I'd just come out of the Priory and... There was a couple of people in the front of the crowd that had nutty Jane, nutty Jane. It was just some stupid stuff, you know. Yeah. But because I was in a little bit of a pre precious yeah. mood, yeah. I was saying to security, oh, get them out, get them out. And they wouldn't do it. So then I thought, I stewed on that for a couple of weeks. and Because I, I thought that was wrong, that them being allowed to do that. I, I personally thought that was wrong, and I still think that's wrong now. Probably it's, It was probably over 10 years ago now. So now if it was seen, they probably would do something about it, the security, if they want to or because they... 
should be seen to do that, it would probably be a lot different the way it was handled. That's my little dig there. <laughs> <laughs> but then I thought, how 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 do I do this so people don't take take the Mickey out of me? And it, I found it upsetting, so I thought I'm going to come out to that bonkers song. And I did that, and I thought if I do that, then no one else can yeah. stupidly. And I thought if I do that, no. One, and then well, like after never, a couple never of weeks, do it, James. I just thought, what an idiot! It's it's a good logic, right? Because <laughs> once upon a time, when I owned the football club that I owned, I actually have this reputation. I lived in Spain, and everyone used to say I was permatan pillock or whatever they wanted to say about me. So I thought it'd be really cool to say. Um, the future's bright, the chairman's orange, right? Yeah. And I thought that would get away from it. Yeah. Right? So then people say that it doesn't bother him we could call him an orange. And it was the worst thing I could ever do because every time I came to a game, some bastard sprayed himself orange and had a whole segment <laughs> of the fan base sprayed orange like the tango man. So I thought it was cool. So we're in the same space there. Yeah, right? They're yeah, trying yeah. to overcome it by saying, yeah. I don't worry about it, so I'm going to do... do when you're talking about the tribalism of the fans, because I, I, I want to go back to the sport thing again. I know I've covered it, but for me... I do think it's a sport, but a lot of people would look at it and see a bunch of people dressed like court jesters, drinking themselves to Palookaville, isn't necessarily indicative of a sport. No. And I speak to Laura Woods and people of that nature, they, they love this. But when you're when you're dealing with this atmosphere, this rare because it's been skyified now. Mm -hmm. Sky have done so much for sport. Yeah, they, they? have. I mean, really I'm have, not yeah. a great admirer of Sky as a broadcaster, but I can understand the value of what they've done to football. They've built football to such a level, yeah. and they're doing it now. They've done it with darts, with the, yeah. with the Premier League, and everything that goes with that, and and and, and actual the, the the value they put into it. How difficult. Is it when you're dealing? I mean, you've touched upon it earlier on about fifteen thousand fans screaming in the background and innate ability to be able to overcome that as part of the ability that you have to be a dart player. But this kind of spotlight, this kind of focus, how difficult is it to play in? How difficult? Because I talked to you about the idea that people are rock stars. Hmm. How I, has that affected I, I you as a person, I, or engaged I mean, you, or benefited you? I mean, we're we're always told, you know, to be grateful for the people that turn up. Um, Show them that you appreciate them being there. Have time for pictures and autographs and all that stuff. And and I've always done that. And I've always. Do you like all that? Do you see it as a privilege? I see it as a privilege. Yeah. Good yeah. Man. Because without well those said. people, you're nothing. You're Absolutely no one. right. And well I, I watched a little clip of some footballers a little while ago that just walked past these kids and just left them. And it was like, how can you not? These footballers. That's. And they'll there come. Was, there, was, there was a certain few footballers that that just didn't give them like just just. It takes thirty seconds Absolutely. to smile. Do a scribble. Absolutely. Even if it's not your best scribble, do a scribble. I agree. I'm and just you. give me a little smile because without I'm those young you, kids there, you are a no one, you're nothing. You're back to your and, normal job. And there'll come a time when people won't, won't, it's won't a bumpy want ride on the way down. No, I agree with you, mate. But I agree with you. I also think there's a time and a place, though, for the screaming and the shouting. And it's hard, you know. It's hard that a crowd could affect your career, your your earnings, and, and all the other stuff that go with it. You know, if I went and parked outside a builder's van so he couldn't come out of his driveway in the morning, I'd be deemed as a bit of a, an idiot for doing that. But you can't have one without the other, can you? No. You can't have this opportunity for darts to be a lucrative career yeah. without the visceral reaction from the fans, because the visceral reaction from the fans steers the broadcasters into wanting to broadcast It would just be nice at real key parts of the game, just just not asking like for every throw, Yeah. just when it's the, the big shot for the match or something like that, just to... Have a bit more decorum. Just a little tiny weenie bit. You can't. Not can a you? lot. How can you? You're well, you're, you're false. You're giving these people yards of ale from dawn till dusk. You're not going to seriously yards. have any decorum. It's more than yards. Some of them. 
Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I'm asking for the ideal world, and there's no such thing as the ideal world. Have you, um, given that this is now a sport that's getting real elevated in the public domain, and the recognisability of darts players is much higher than it ever mm -hmm. was, albeit people like Eric Bristol, I thought were very recognisable at the time because you'd have yeah, them on BBC with 25 million viewers. There right? was four channels, four channels. Yeah, wasn't absolutely, there? you're absolutely right. Are you surprised that the level of recognisability that you have, and some of the people that recognise you, you got people like. Prince Harry and Stephen Fry or MPs. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Fry loves darts. I, mean, I know he it, does, yeah. it, I mean, I've had some good chats with him and he's come along to a few of the tournaments. Um, I'm surprised by the people that follow me. I'm surprised, you know, that 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 I don't understand why some of the famous people that follow me would... I don't, I've got no idea why that would happen. Um, maybe because they're waiting for my next outbreak. I don't know. Huh. Um, but no, and, and like I say, when you do get recognised and, and not shying away from it, it's it's... The amount of money that do you like being recognised? Uh, Does it matter to you? No, 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 it doesn't. Sometimes I feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, like Does it matter not, to your not family? uncomfortable. Not how, uncomfortable. How old are your kids? Four and eight months, seven months. Right, so they're not really in the cycle not yet. of realizing not, what daddy not, is or what daddy isn't. Right, and but the, the, of getting recognised, it. I feel like awkward about it, not because. What about when, you're trying, what about when you're trying to get a table in a restaurant? Does that matter then? I'll get, get to that one. But no, when I when I when I like stopped and they talked to me, I'm like, oh, are they going to have a dig or are they going to say? That's, Do you really think that's that? that's more me though, not yeah. there. That's right. that's my problem. Um, the only time it does piss me off is when I've had it as well. When I'm out with a with a friend or my or my wife, and you're having a meal and someone puts their hands on the table, they lean over and go, oh wait, could I have a photo? And as they're saying it, they got spit coming out of their mouth <laughs> of your food. You're like, oh, right. And even then I don't yeah. say fuck off. Right. I still like, but there's times and places, but being recognised for me isn't, that's not important. Some no. players, I believe yeah. it really is important for them. They put themselves out of their way so they get stopped and stuff. But for me, it's not, I, I play darts to play darts, you know, and the recognition of what I've done or I don't, I don't want that. I don't need that. I just, just hope that people that have watched me over the years when my finishing's good, I can finish like no other and I hope I've, I've entertained people. Does this sport, um, have enough characters to fill the void of, say, someone like Phil Taylor. Yeah, we, people thought people thought that it didn't, and I thought it'll make a difference. It didn't. It didn't. You still get people. You know, you go to tournaments and they shout, and there's only one Phil Taylor. And I don't know if that's because they haven't realised that he's not playing, or or because they like him. Some of the people, I probably think he still plays. But um, who, yeah. I mean, who do you think transcends? That? I mean, Phil Taylor, perhaps, and, and Eric Bristow, and the names that I remember they're from different. my childhood. They're different. They, they transcended the sport, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they're different. Well, who would do that now? Who I, does that now? I think the Michael games, Van Gerwen. I think I don't think he'll. he'll he's the. He, I don't think he. He's magic at what he's done. You know, he's he's brilliant. He's a lovely, lovely. I could better call him a kid. Um, he's a lovely bloke as well. But I don't think there's two that will carry the game like. Eric Bristow and Phil Taylor did. You once in a while you get different people and and they get a chance to influence what they do. And they had their chances and they were the big people at the time. Like I say, it could have been other people at, at those times and they wouldn't have shone like Phil and Eric both did. Hmm. They were the right people at the right time. At the right time yeah. in the right place. Yeah. Um with the right rivalries at the right time yeah, in the, in the yeah, development yeah. of the Yeah, I mean British, jockey yeah. and Eric. And Eric and terrible. Uh, he was, I suppose, Eric Bristow was the Muhammad Ali of darts, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. He took it to that level, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. He brought the finances in yeah, there, brought the attention. Brutal. He was brutal. If it, you know, if he was having a conversation and he thought something, he wouldn't think twice say, yeah. of I telling you. I remember you. him doing it, yeah. Yeah, and he, he did it to me for years, and then all of a sudden he just, just, he just said, I like you. You're all right. And then we just started talking. I was like, I was waiting for him did to say Did that mean a lot to you? Not at first, because I just thought he was a bit of... 
quite quite rude to me, you know. Really? So, so I, I, you know, I just didn't think too much of it. And then when I actually knew it as a genuine friendship, it meant more to me than than most things ever have, you know. And he spent Christmas at my house, a Christmas dinner with me, and I wouldn't let many people have Christmas dinners with me. Uh, and yeah, and it was it was a friendship that really started to bond, and it got strong. And then then the the sod left me. So yeah. Yeah, he died the day before my birthday. Well, I think he did that on purpose. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it was a real strong bond, and it, it was getting it was it was really nice. And then, unfortunately, um, he left us. Going back to you, and the things that push you in the world. Your mentality: Are you driven by proving people wrong? Does that matter to you? Yeah, strangely enough, yeah, it matters more than most things. Um, for me, in what way? Because I mean, um, your background was you came from a mechanic, didn't yeah, you? And you built that up. And, if someone, and, and... if someone says, I hear it all the time, like, and I've heard it so many times over twenty years. Oh, he, he won't win anything else now. He's finished. He's done. Blah blah blah. And as soon as I hear that, and if it if it strikes me in the right place, I'll go out of my way. Then then I become hell bent on doing something again. And I and you know maybe that does affect my moods and my and the way I walk into tournaments because st stuff can change on a, on literally like that. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. Would you say? Because I mean, I suppose a question that follows on from um, probably an unhealthy way. For me, way. for me, it's the same. You know, I I, I I made a lot of money and I lost a lot of money and I was in great positions in life, and it was never about the money. It was always about being better than the other guy. And I suspect some of it was also about being able to prove myself in every aspect. If you're going to do something, Cassius Clay talking about Muhammad Ali said, if I'm going to be a road sweeper, I'm going to be the best fucking road sweeper that there ever was. And for me, it's about being there. Uh, in everything I do, if I do broadcasting, I want to be the best. I want to be the very strongest at it. Not that you're seeing any example of that here, but notwithstanding that, we can, we can have a try, <laughs> can't we? Um, what what motivates... I mean, I suppose it's a motivation, isn't it? I mean, I suppose by the very nature of proving I've... somebody wrong, is that something that motivates you both in your darts... And when, in your life, because there's two parts to your life, and there's your dart player, yeah. and there's, then there's James Wade, the bloke. It all goes back to being that little boy at school that doesn't fit in and, and tries his best to fit in with everyone, and he gets probably a hard time and a bit and bullied a bit. And then when I hear someone tell me I can't do something, I think I can. Yeah. And and if I can get that, if I if I get that bit between my teeth, then I know I'll win another major. I, I know I can win another major within the next twelve months if if I do things right. You know, and if I if I if I want to be there, and I need to be there in my mind, I talk in riddles. I know, but um, no, that's a fair comment. But no, and and I do. I just go back to that little boy that was told what he couldn't do and what he could do. And I and I when people tell me, oh, he's he can't win another time. If I get in that right mood, I know I know I will, and I know I do, and I've done that for twenty years, so I don't see it changing any. Do you see soon. yourself retiring from darts? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Soon enough. How soon? I don't know. I don't know. Can you imagine life outside of darts? Yes. Definitely. Let me, let me give you a quote. Let me, well, I'm going to go... I'm <laughs> but gonna, I think I, I'd I, miss darts. I believe I'd I miss think darts. I think you probably become, would. It's my life, isn't it, darts? Well, I, I remember saying to... Um, you won't know him because you don't follow football, but David Bentley was once upon a time a top footballer in this country, or so he thought. Um, and at 28 years of age... <laughs> he was an Arsenal player. It didn't count, did it? Um, and a Spurs player. But I remember bumping into him in Spain and I was sat around some friend's house... And, I, and he was standing at the bar and he said to me, I'm going to pack it in. And I said, 28 years of age, pack Maybe. it in. Obviously, they made a lot of money in football. Still not started, and, and, and you haven't started. And you're going, to have, you're going to have a long time, what you feel now, once you've packed it in, you're going to have a long time not to be able to do it. Do you, I suppose at darts it's slightly different because he had a physical limitation that ultimately he can't play top-class football, probably no. past his mid-30s. Yeah. Can you still play top-class darts 
going into your 40s, into your 50s. Well, Phil Taylor did, didn't they? Well, there's a stat saying people, the stat is actually players get to their best, start winning tournaments and get to their best at 43. So I've not is that started. Right? Yeah, so I've not started yet. Oh, but I mean, okay. back to the 28, you've, you've not even gone for any hard times or any hardship of playing. But that might know. be money, mightn't it? It might be. He made so much bleeding money that he didn't actually care until the motivation's gone. Yeah, I guess so. But it just, it, what it struck, the point I was making rather than talking about his age <laughs> yeah, was that yeah. he hadn't even yeah. really begun. No, no. And, if you're, and by the statistic you've just given me at 39, you're coming into your pomp at 43. Yeah. Then you haven't just, you haven't begun and you won a world no. championship, don't you? Yeah, I do. You know, I always used to think it didn't bother me. Does it bother me that, it, it does bother me because I'm talking about it. So, yeah, I do want one. I do want one. I do deserve one. Um, Hold on. Hold, why do you deserve one? No one deserves anything. You get what you deserve. Why do I deserve one? I know I do deserve one. Um, unfortunately, I had a, a mishap in, in one of the in one of the world championships that I I chose friendship over what what benefited me to move on to the next to the final. And there's no question of doubt I would have beat the person in the final. Me and Adrian Lewis, he was I was four nil up first first to five sets, and there was wind on the stage, and I had the choice whether to come off or just play through. And I would have won the next set easily because his head was gone. But I did the gentlemanly thing and walk off and come back. And I believe that was my easy one to win. So do I deserve it? No, but would I have won it if I wouldn't have been soft? But, but you haven't as yet. I mean, no. I, I, I'm not going to go with you on this because I like you, but I'm not going to go with that That's perspective fine. that you deserve one. That's because okay. in life, I think you get what you deserve, yeah. good and bad. Yeah. Um, you've had opportunities as you've just described, yes. and you've been in a variety was, of semi-finals. That was a very but why, bold... But, but why can't you get over the line, in your mind's eye? Illness, the challenges that you've got to carry around with you? I think one of the big things is it's a long time for me to keep a good good, good mindset. Right. It's a bloody long time for me, three weeks to stay straight and keep upbeat. And secondly, the venue, every time I get to the venue, it just doesn't feel, doesn't feel that exciting for me. I don't feel... What, a world championship? doesn't matter but you about, want one doesn't matter about the world what's there at stake right. it's it's the venue it doesn't hold i mean lots of players say it holds the best atmosphere for me i think the best atmosphere in any darts venue is winter gardens blackpool right because it's close it's it's right. intimate it's you can feel the pressure when i go to alexandra palace it feels a little bit cold to me you know it's it's just some venues feel well, great feel some bloody people, warm when you got that tr that trophy in your hand and a great big friggin check wasn't it yeah that'd feel warm i guess but no, it's just you know you can't you can't falsify things. You can't you know if it, if it's if it's a not if it's one of your light venues, it's one of your light venues. If it's yeah. not, it's not. And you have drivers that have certain tracks that they love and do well at, and some that they don't. And you have players that play at certain venues that play well, or, and certain venues they don't. And for me, I still haven't cracked it. I mean, but you want it though, don't you? Of course I do. So with that in mind, I'm just trying. If, to so, just, so what people need to do with you, everyone needs to run up to you and tell you that you don't deserve to win it. They do. But, but <laughs> you don't deserve to win it. You're never going to win it. Yeah. And with your logic, you're going to go and prove them wrong. Possibly. So possibly. you want to get everyone around you saying, James, you're shit. They do. Like, you don't deserve <laughs> they do to win this world title. <laughs> they do that I'm going to read you a quote that's yeah. attributed to you, and I want you to explain it to me yeah. or expand on it. Try. Darts has given me a lot, yeah. but it's also taken a hell of a lot away from me. Mm. It's given me a lot as in financial. Um, I've seen the world. I've experienced things. Um, I'm not... Not the um, not as shy as I would have been if I would have remained in Ash and Old Shop my life. So that's given me a confidence for for my personality bigger than it ever would have been. Um, I met my wife, and I've just become a better person. Darts has made me a better person through mixing from different different all all, all walks Traveling of life. The world. You know? Yeah, it's just made me mm. made me richer in life. 
Um, and it's taken from me. It's made me, it's, it's exaggerated my mental health issues hundred percent on that. It definitely has. But yeah, I think that's what it's taken from me. It's, it's taken its toll on my mental health and it's taken my toll on missing, missing family life at home. And that, that has taken, uh, some people understand it a lot. Some people don't understand it, but for me, what it's taken from me is quite a lot, quite a lot. Has I, it, I think it's, I think it's exaggerated my, my, my health issues. Massively. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next. I was going to yeah. say to you, does it exacerbate some of the things that you suffer yeah. from? Because you and I share something in terms of um, ADHD. And I was going to ask you how you cope with that. What are your coping mechanisms? When I was having things like panic attacks, I don't have a problem with ADHD. I think for people that um, have the particular version of it that I have, I think it's a superpower. Mm. I think it's something that I can deal with very easily. I think it, it keeps me hyper-focused on subject matter, enables me to be able to multitask. It might mean I drop things down and get bored of them relatively quickly, mm -hmm. but I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Right? But for you, and when I was having panic attacks and I'd go off and see cognitive behavioral therapists, they'd get on my tits, quite frankly, mm. because they wouldn't tell me anything I didn't already know. They'd yeah. tell me how wonderful is how much money I've made and yeah. how wonderful I was successful. I was like, well, I'm having panic attacks. I can't be that bleeding successful, can I? Yeah. And I'd work out how to deal with it myself. Yeah. But for you, given you are put in pressure situations mm. and given that you have to be on your game and sometimes you can't be, mm. what are your... Uh, I suppose, again, coping mechanisms. Panic attack when you're going for a double. Is, is do you worse. have them? Yeah, Chris, well, do. Massive, pounding, pounding heart, out yeah, of breath, can't of breathe, go dizzy. Yeah. Lovely, aren't it's, they? It's horrendous. And you think you're having a heart attack every time you have one. You think, oh, this is the one. Impending doom. This is the one. This is the one. How do you cope then? You just, you have to, I, I take the biggest breath I can get and drink as much cold water as I can. And it, it, can, it can go as quick as 30 seconds sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? And you feel that real cold, hard beat in your back of your windpipes. Oh, it's a horrible feeling. Um, but then when you do that in a darts match, everyone starts booing you because they think yeah. you're holding it up. Yeah, yeah. So, but you can't tell them why you're doing it because they might use that as a, a weakness. I used to, when I was having panic attacks, I don't have them so much these days. I used to yawn. I mean, you can't yawn in the middle of a darts match, but I used you to can, yawn. You can, they don't like it. Though. No, they don't like it. No. <laughs> I, used to, I used to yawn and convince myself that I was tired and then subsequently relax into it. Yeah. And I remember once on a television show, I think it was uh, I think it was Football Focus or something, and because I'm a trappy bastard and I'm always the person that has the most to say, mm -hmm. it puts me in this invidious position when I have nothing to say because I'm having a panic attack and I don't want anyone coming to me, mm -hmm. that everyone's going to come to me. And I just remember being on that show and going, I, I, I think I'm going to die. Yeah. I think I'm going to fall apart here. Not me. Please not me. Please not me. And I remember my mum actually texted me. She's looking at me on the television screen and my phone must have been next to me saying, you're having a panic attack. And she was the only person that knew about it. But like anything, you you, you know, yeah. you, you come through it. Yeah, yeah, you have to. But it's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it's not very nice. Yeah, that's just that's one small small part of a massive a massive jigsaw puzzle, though, isn't it? The, the well, it's attack. remarkable if you I mean to have the application and fortitude. There are very few top sports people. You, I think, we'd all be surprised. You and me um, about the amount of people that do have these challenges, and some of the people that I've met so that we're clear together. Some of the people I've met, some of the most powerful people, influential people that you would never believe it mm. have panic attacks and mm. have these sort of things. Uh, and you'd think, my God, that's the most together person, the most composed person, the person in great authority and with great responsibility. So I don't think it's a weakness. I think it's something yeah. that people should talk about, people should embrace. I don't want to walk around using it as a badge and neither do you, do you? No. I don't want people no, to feel it, sorry for but me. But that's the unfortunate or thing. Or more importantly for that's you. That's the unfortunate thing in, in today's world is 
people do use it as an excuse and people do use it as an advantage or they think they're going to get an advance from it or an advantage from using saying they've got mental health or something. It's awful because some people really... I really think it's an abusive it. process. Yeah. I think the people that are really suffering... And it ruins it for get, people that really that's do suffer. That's point. People get disadvantaged. People get put in a category because basically people are saying they're playing a particular card and making themselves yeah, yeah. victims and everything. Yeah. Have I heard this right? Probably. Just want to be clear on this because it, it, it might be right, it might be wrong, it might be in, on the basis of, the, of some of the things that you've fallen out of love with darts for, the challenges in life. You'd prefer to be a mechanic than and have darts as a hobby. Yeah, if I could. Really? I just, I believe the older I get, the more I'm struggling with, with the pressures of, of the job. I, I do. And I, I'm working on cars. I just, I love working on cars. That's my passion. Always has been. It's hard for people to understand. But, you know, for me to be in a workshop on my own, I can work out what's wrong with a car. I can't work out what's wrong with people. <laughs> that's, that's just me. If you want to be a mechanic, why don't you just go... Why don't you stop piss balling around and go Honestly, back to being you one? Want, then, you yeah. want the real truth because, because of I, the money. Because of the money. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the real truth. If if I I believe if I'd have earned enough money to retire out of darts, would I still be playing? Even without a world championship, knowing you're coming into your peak at forty three, I possibly I possibly would have walked away by now, possibly, possibly. But I won't. I would never know because I I'm not in a position. Done it. Yeah. So so we can talk about it as much as we want, and it's. It's an opinion of how I felt at that time when I said certain things. You know, is it really how I feel? Depends which James it is. You know, I fall in and out of love with the game. Sometimes I'm there and I think, I love this job. It's brilliant. And other times I'm there, I just think, and everyone gets that. If, can, if can, you're a painter and decorator or if you're a of course, football player. And it's a job and people don't understand that. But, you no. know, when I, perhaps I should lie sometimes when people ask me, but unfortunately everything that comes out of my, out of my mouth at that time is how I genuinely feel, you know? Yeah. I, I could do the whole... Maybe what a, a lot of dart players do, the whole script thing. Yes, I love darts. Darts is brilliant. It's my life and I, I would never choose anything else. And but that's not you though, is it? Are you having a nice time? Yes, I'm wonderful. But sometimes but, but I'm not Who says you have to be time. that way? You should be the way you want to be, right? Well, if I did it the other way, I wouldn't get questioned and I wouldn't get asked about my quotes and stuff. Mm. I'm not saying that's at you, but that's that I do get. No. And I think sometimes oh, I could have made my life so much more bloody easier. But that wouldn't be you then, would it? No. And it wouldn't be the characteristics that make you the person that you are that no. gives you an opportunity yep. to be at the top of your trades. Yep. And ultimately, it's going to carry you to a world title yes. if you find your way to liking fingers the particular crossed. environment that you play in. Yeah, fingers crossed. Is professional sports helpful with people that are having slightly challenging mental health conditions? And do you think fans are truly accepting of say, your particular mental health issues? Because they're out there. They're documented. I'm talking about oh, them now. It's not because I've just pulled no. them out of my backside. It's because it's people, people I, know about it. I think, depending on what sport it is, there's understanding and true true support there, depending on what, what sport you're playing. Like, I can imagine if you're a footballer, there's, there's they have to be seen as doing more because there's more people that look at it and it's more amplified. But then again, when it is bad... But do you because there's so many people watching it, uh, their faults are amplified there. What I do, there probably could be a lot more to support me. And do you I'm think quite lucky that when I do have a blowout, it's not as amplified as it would be if it was. But do you a think the media and the pundits 
are supportive. I'll tell you why. Because every time I do a show on another guy's and the subject of mental health comes up and people start talking about it, and you have some high-profile footballers, that Chris Kirkland, who played for Liverpool, that's had mental health issues. You've had Leon McKenzie, who used to play for me at Palace and went on to play in the Premier League for Norwich City, and a few other people that have come out with these very challenged times in their lives where they've had either suicide ideation or they've had real challenges in them. And, and the absolute outpouring... You can have a, the switchboard lights up like a pinball machine at a Tommy in terms of people wanting to come in and to talk about it and also to want to be so grateful that people in what they will perceive to be either iconic, influential or very strong minded positions because it requires strength of mind to be at the top of your sport are prepared to talk about it. So do you feel that in your sports that you're given the credit that that would necessarily entail the way that you talk about it? Or the way that you, people know that it affects you. I don't think I need. I don't think I should have any credit or or, or have any or any recognition of it. Then because you, well, hang on, you, you, I you, think, you, you I talked think, about it being a challenge for yeah, you. And you, want, and you want fans not to give you a load of shit when you walk into an environment. No, no, it's not. I don't want fans to give me a load of. It's. I've obviously come across wrong of it. Fans do give you, or or crowds do give you, sometimes shit and sometimes sometimes nice stuff. That's part of it, you know. Would I like? At times, some dispensation for it. Perhaps when I don't get an interview because they're worried about what I'm going to say, would sometimes I like to be treated with a little bit of a, he may bugger it up, but just let him have an interview, yeah. you know? You know, a bit of respect. No, not even respect. Just let me have a fair crack at the, at, at the same the same stuff as as, as some, some other players get, you know? I've been in the semifinals of TV tournaments before and not even had a bloody pre-match interview. So don't... Well, judging by the state of this one, I'm not bloody surprised. No, there you go. <laughs> but no, I mean, you have to let people out. Again, that's about people people in the game that are far bigger than, than me and players. They haven't got a true understanding or a true... So that's my point. Yeah. So that's my point, precisely. Yeah. I, I given, just... the, given the circumstances around you that are relatively unique... Yeah, one word Shouldn't there be a little bit of dispensation? <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. You're playing a high-level sport under high pressure, with high expectation, carrying a clinically diagnosed mm. mental health condition. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to wrap it up in anything more than you need it wrapped up in, no. but notwithstanding, you're either a valued asset to the sport or you're not, right? Yeah, and I don't I don't think I, I, I'm... F for things that, are, like I say, are bigger than myself and the players, I think I'm also a headache, a, a very big headache for them. Right. So I, I think I get... Perhaps not all the time. Sorry, headache in what way? Because they're not your your behaviour can be unpredictable. Oh yeah, your form be, can be unreliable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 not the form's always there and thereabouts within a certain range of stuff. But yeah, I can be so unpredictable, and I've paid the ultimate price for that as well. I've paid the ultimate price within the coverage I get and and stuff like that. And you know, can I blame them? No. Does it annoy me? A little bit, because I'm talking about it. If mm. it didn't annoy me, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have mentioned it, you know. Um, but I can understand why they do it. But then there should be a little bit more understanding of what well, like, of that's the my issues. point. Because the issue out there in society is such a big issue that actually, actually, the darts world and a sport like the darts itself could gain a lot of credence and a lot of recognition and a lot of reward associated with it. Not that it would be doing it for those reasons, but it's, let's say we're in a slightly cynical world mm. to suggest that facilitates and embraces That's the, right the challenges of one of its major competitors. Some, sometimes 
it might not be easy, but everyone should be facilitated in every, to a point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah to yeah, to a point. If you if you if you're just an out and out right, right pain wrong in the yeah, ass, yeah, wrong yeah. and you're just just terrible, yeah. then no, no, you're, you're using it as an excuse. But if you try your best and unfortunately you slipped up on on a few occasions or more than a few occasions, you know that's that's part of it. You know, and if we're going to be this world that that wants everyone to have equal rights and equal opportunity, then let's let's do it. Mm. Let's not do it because it ticks boxes and you have to do it certain times because it'll keep. Normally, I would pick you some up on people that happy. observation. Normally, I'd turn around and say, "Well, equal opportunity, fine. Equal outcome, different." I think you're probably in that camp, aren't you? Your talent gets you where you need to go, not necessarily the facilitation of an opportunity. Yeah, but I, if you're talented and you're doing the same things other people are, and you're perhaps then you should have the same opportunities. Yeah, if, uh, even yeah. if you are a bit of a liability. Okay, James. Thanks very much for coming in today. I've enjoyed some of the insights. I've enjoyed speaking to someone that's been very competitive and elite in this sport. Obviously, we share a mutual admiration for the late, great Eric Bristow. So I very much enjoyed your company and coming in and being up front with me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Up Front With Me, Simon Jordan is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.